This is the official Pompey podcast. In this episode, we spoke to the man who once scored 47 goals in a single season, Guy Whittingham. So Guy, recently we talked to your partner in crime, Paul Walsh, from about the 92-93 season, and he said he'd still happily deliver the player of the season <laughs> to you in person. Uh, are you yeah. open the door to him? No, I, I saw that. I saw that bit especially. And... Uh... I think uh, everybody who played in that team would have said he deserved it. Really? You know, absolutely, yeah. You know, he's phenomenal. And quite often you can get uh, players that have played at a higher level coming down to the next level um, just as a bit of a busman's holiday. But I think, you know, his, his move to Man City eventually proved that he, he didn't do that. And that season he was, he was phenomenal. Um, yeah, it, it has to be the best striker I've played with, without a doubt, in the days when people used to play two up front. Not so often these days, also, although some are coming back to it now in the systems. But, yeah, I just think his, you know, his ability to, to link play, to hold the ball up, his work rate, you know, just, just prove to everybody that, you know, that's, that's, that's what you have to do to be, a, you know, a player to go on and play for big clubs like he did, Spurs and, and Liverpool, you have to have a you have to have a mentality and a work rate and you know he he provided that and yeah I I I wouldn't want it back from him at all. He's, I, he was probably joking knowing him anyway. <laughs> you broke a goal scoring record that season for the club, goals in a season, but you didn't go up. What what more could you do? Uh, score a few more. Uh, Jim Smith always blames me for missing chances and our goal difference not not all goal scored. I think it was that year, wasn't it? That that gets you up. Not, not getting us up. <laughs> um, and I know, well, I hope he was joking anyway. Uh, never got to ask him, unfortunately. But uh, look, it's, um, I think we just did all we could, you know, and right to the very end, we believed we were going to do it. And, you know, you can look back at the Oxfords, you can look back at the Sunderlands away, and those, I suppose, are the ones that stand out in terms of, um, you know, results going against us in terms of getting, getting that automatic promotion spot. Uh, but from then on, when we didn't get it, it was it was tough to tough to raise your raise your spirits again, especially because uh, again the Sunderland game when Walsh got himself sent off and just just playing with myself up front in those in those playoffs was uh, was not a position I was used to, and we missed we missed Walshie, definitely. Was it telepathy between you two? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know since since. Um, you know, I speak to Neil Sillett a lot, who was a big part of the, you know, the staff then. Um, you know, and how how Jim sort of recognised my ability to score goals uh, and wanting to shape a team around me. I don't, I'm not quite sure whether it was all that. Um, when I played, it it didn't. I didn't recognise it as that. Um, I just recognised it as playing a, a a system of football that was enjoyable to play in. You know, getting the ball wide, getting crosses in the box, getting somebody who's who can get on the end of crosses. Plus, you've got um, you know someone like Alan McLaughlin who was able to to come late into the box. Because as a striker, what you need when you're when you're in that in that position, looking to score goals, you need somebody as well as yourself to take the mind away from some of the defenders. You know, it's, you see these you know these days boxes are, are flooded with defenders and there's only two or three of the of the opposition in the box and that's too easy to defend you need you need to get players that arrive in late that takes a, the eye off the defender and then leaves more space for you to go in and attack 
If ever the telepathy shone, it was the goal against Bristol Rovers where you're waltzing down the yeah. touchline, three passes between the two of you, and you finish it off. Yeah, uh, he didn't want to go back and defend, so he, <laughs> he, he stayed out. I think I was defending the edge of the box and started that off. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you, you, Jim Smith knew, knew, my, knew my qualities. Um, he knew that uh, back to goal wasn't my game. Uh, and all I wanted to do with the ball was get rid of it quickly in the build-up. Um, you know, I felt I, I was more instinctive in, in passing straight away when the ball came to me. Um, so that, that one down the left-hand side underneath the south stand was just, was just great. And his, 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 last, his last ball to me was perfect. Now, this is going to sound harsh <laughs> because, again, you scored the record number of goals that season, created a club record. You remember the Peterborough game where... You scored a hat-trick and then you took a penalty, which Warren Aspinall usually took it. Well, yeah. when you're talking about that goal difference, did yeah. it ever cross your mind that that? No, all those sort of things, yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, I think you often, you know, often, I don't often think back now, it's a long time ago, but then closer to the time, at the certainly end of that season, um, you know, you, you do think back, uh, even though, even though scoring all those goals and contributing from that point of view, you do think back about not just the penalty miss, you know, other ones you missed. You know, it's, uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's natural for a striker uh, after every game to think about the opportunities they had. Um, and I, although, I, I, although I, I'd say I always thought about them, it wasn't something that preyed on my mind for a long time because I'd have been more worried if I wasn't getting on the end of, pro, uh, of chances. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been that would be more of a concern, and I would have been more worried about that than than actually missing. Not that it should prey on your mind, let me say. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we we talk about that season ninety two ninety three, but of course you were already a proven goal scorer. It wasn't a one season wonder. I think you scored about fifty four goals in the previous three seasons. Yeah, yeah. The initial one, obviously coming out of the army and then um, joining here, was. Uh, I suppose, in a way, all through my career, although it had been army and non-league, I'd played at every level. I'd, I'd, sorry, scored at every level I played at. So um, every time you go somewhere to a new club, you, as a striker, you want to score early, especially if it's another level up. Uh, and I've, going from from the Oval, who were in the National League as it is now, to the Championship, was the biggest leap I'd done. So uh, to to come in that first season and, and get my first goal and get going, and that that just gave me the confidence that I can score goals at this level. And then, then obviously that season ended up with twenty three, I think. And then the following seasons were were for me uh, not good seasons because they were lower numbers. Around I think it was only thirteen the following season, and not much more the season after. Um, and that also drove me to do something about it as well. So that was when before the night two night three season I had that pre-pre-season if you like but you did hit the ground running I, I remember one of the first few games you came in you, you were scoring goals yeah yeah I think I think it was it was either Hull at home or Stoke at home I can't remember you Stoke was nil-nil but that was your first game first game so where, it must where have been. Alan Knight actually created another team record where he played the most games in, in oh football. was it yeah wow yeah, so it's beat Peter Benetti's record, I think. Yeah, that that I mean that is that is a phenomenal thing to do for 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 a player in that game to one club, especially this day and age. You know, they're very rare, very rare. Um, yeah, but again, that that you know, the first goal just makes you think, oh, I can do it at this level. Mm. 
And from there, I mean, when do you think the public actually took to you? Was it, we spoke about the game against Leeds United, where you scored those two last yeah. minute goals and we came back from the dead. Where do you think the public actually thought, you know, this, this guy's got something? Yeah, it's curious, isn't it? Because um, I remember uh, signing, I'd come down for a couple of uh, games at the end of the 92 season, uh, sorry, uh, 89 season, and a um, couple of trial games for the reserves, um, then I signed, and then um, most of the players were away and it was uh, off-season. And I got a call from the club to go to a to a function. Um, Goodman's along um, along Haven't Way, uh, so I turn up there and they're like, you know, who's, who's this who's this person? And I think, um, you know, by the end of the night, they knew I was somebody who had come out of the army and was going to have a go at Portsmouth. But I think I think what I, what you show on the evenings when you do that, you have to show on the pitch. So you have to show that you're. You know, yeah, I'm nobody, but hopefully I'll, you know, be, you you'll know my name sooner or later. And then you have just got to work hard. And it's that's that not just that's not just football. That's any anything in life. You know, work hard and you get, you know, hopefully get your rewards. And I think, I think fans over the years, you know what fans want here. They want people they're going to graft from. You know, they've the fans here have gone out and earned their money hard. They've laboured away. They come to enjoy a game. They want to be entertained, but most of all, they want to see people that reflect the city. Um, and I think if you've got a, you know individuals or groups that do that, they'll take you. You know whether you score goals or whether you don't, whether you defend well or whether you keep goals out, whatever it is, as long as you run about the pitch and um, put everything into it, then then uh, then I think the fans here will take you. And that, you know, fortunately, I got in the I got in the team quite quickly. Um, and they saw that I'd chase lost causes and I'd work hard for everybody. Corporal punishment was a great nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I'd thought of that and done the t-shirts myself. This day and age, I would have made a killing. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was a, it was an apt name, wasn't it? You know, because you know that's hopefully what I did was able to punish people for you know, mistakes. And that's one thing as a striker, I think that that just living on a, a mistake from a defender. Um, and that's a good point about being a being a striker that you know if you make a mistake you might miss the goal but if a defender or goalkeeper makes a mistake you can give a goal away so it's better better up the other end for sure. Did you ever find a partner like Paul Walsh again? Um, no, not really, not really. I'd had one in the army actually, a guy called uh, Mickey Spencer uh, again, um, uh, a player who who won the ball defeat. I was always looking for the ball, you know, over the top to run onto. He was one looking to feet. Um, very similar sort of player to Paul Walsh, um, but I didn't find another one after Walshy. No. Uh, so um, Villa, you had Dean Saunders, Danny Axon, Dwight York. I played quite a few games with Dwight York in in the reserves as it was then, and we had a bit of a connection together. But obviously, we never went into the first team and played together. Um, and then when I went to, to uh, Sheffield Wednesday, I was um, utilised more as a, as a right midfield player um, for my years in the Premier League, which, which, which obviously were great, but no, not, not as a striker partnership, no. Was it inevitable that you were going to leave when that season ended on a sour note? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think anybody in any line of work wants to, wants to do the best they can at the best level they can. Um, and there was absolutely no doubt. We'd already had talks that if we'd got in the Premier League that season, then, then of course I would have stayed. But I think you, you know, I was 28 by then, and you want you, you want to test yourself, you know, against the best players, especially especially in sport, elite sport. 
you know, if I hadn't done it, I would always be asking myself, could I have done it? Um, so I, I'd rather I'd rather have a go and see how it goes, and if it if it you know if it's if it's a failure, then at least I know. So yeah, without getting promotion, unfortunately, it was it was the way. How do you rate your time at Villa and, and Wolves? I loved them. Yeah, I loved them. When I went to Villa, the Villa were full of internationals, mostly Irish, but full of internationals. Um, so you're playing with some of the best players in the world, you know, and um, you know people that play for their country. So you know, you know, they're playing against you know, the best players in the world. So you're always, every day you're training with somebody who, who raises your standards, you know, if, if you can raise them. Um, you know, and then on to Sheffield Wednesday where, where for three and a half years I was playing almost consistent Premier League football, which is the best standard you can play um, in this country without going obviously into an international. So, um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were great times uh, in terms of uh, playing consistently at a high level. Remember you came back to Fratton Park with Wolves once and I think you lost 3-0 and you had a pretty miserable time. <laughs> yeah. Luckily they didn't sing We've Seen You Before to you. No. But, um, no. you know, um, was it hard to come back to Fratton Park and be an it, opposition player? Yeah, it was in that instance. Yeah, because uh, I've gone away to try and prove that I can make it the top level and six months later or so I'm back here with a fellow championship side or League One as it was then um, and not doing very well. Uh, but um, no, listen, these things happen. I, I think what you have to do is make sure you make the move for the right reason. Um, and no matter what happens, know that that was the right reason, which, which for me it was. It was to test myself at the highest level and to, to see if I could reach that level. So about five years on, you come back to Fratton Park on loan initially. And same old guy, seven and nine, I think you got. Yeah. So, uh, you know, do you ever regret coming back? Yes, it's a really, it's an interesting question because that's what you're told in football is never go back. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I mean, I come back and I get seven and nine. So, you know, that from that point of view of regretting it, no, there's no regrets. And from the first spell, those four, first four years, my wife and I really, really loved the area. So we'd always thought, even though we'd gone off somewhere else, that this is where we were going to come back. And you look for opportunities to come back because you want to settle in this area, but... You know, those were the days where you couldn't finish football and you just hang up your boots and do nothing. You still had to find something to do. So um, coming towards the end of the season, that loan was on with Alan Ball. Um, and Alan Ball was the first person who showed the interest in me coming to Port in the first place. So I think I owed him a, a debt of gratitude to come back and, and play for him. Um, so did so. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't go well in the long run when I signed permanently at the end. And... Um, yeah, you don't get the amount of appearances you want, but I still don't regret coming back here. It was a different club, though, wasn't it? It was on the brink of financial yeah. ruin. Yeah, it was, it was completely different. I don't know how far away from the brink of uh, financial ruin it was when, when I first joined. <laughs> well, they went in cycles, didn't they? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's what happens. Um, yeah, I, I, players, players, are, players are different, obviously, because they... I wouldn't say they necessarily go where the money is, and I, I certainly didn't do that. I had, I had great opportunities at Villa within the first three months. Big Ron pulled me in and said, you know, these clubs are in for you, do you want to go? And it was more about, no, 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 I'm, I've signed here because I want to prove I can play this level. So although it maybe didn't happen at Villa, the amount of appearances I want, it happened at Sheffield Wednesday. So I knew I had the appearances. I knew I was capable of playing at that level with the appearances I had in the end. Um, but 
coming coming back here and and playing the second time around, especially permanently for those two years, um, you know, I think part of it is coming back and playing in front of the people who you've played with in front of before, and they appreciate what you've done for them. Um, maybe they didn't appreciate so much the second time around because I you know I wasn't was hardly in in the side, but by then you you. As, as an older pro, you're trying to help the players come through. You know, Sean Derry at the beginning of his, you know, good career was here. Uh, Lee Bradbury came in. So, um, you know, it's good to play with, with younger players, helping them through, you know, the start of their career. Did you come back a better player? Because you played in a slightly different position at Sheffield Windsor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think my all-round game had improved. Um, I certainly... Uh, it was under David Pleat at Sheffield Wednesday where... Um, he sort of said to me that he wanted me to play out wide, um, and I wasn't I wasn't over enamoured with it. Um, you you know when you've been playing as a striker and you score goals in the Premier League, you think, well, no, I'm a striker. Um, but after about two months on the bench, I sort of felt well, unless if I don't say I want to play there, then you know, I'm not going to get many games. And I wanted to play. I wasn't I didn't want to sit around and do nothing and just pick up my money. So I agreed to it, um, and he saw it more as a I was I was I was really fit. Um, I think I was I think I was just thirty at the time, thirty one. Really fit, uh, could get about the pitch. So from his point of view, he was an extra striker in the box, an extra finisher, as well as somebody that could get back and defend. And for as I said, for probably two years, consistently you know playing in that position, you, you know I, I learned a lot. I learned I learned make sure you double up on Ryan Giggs, but it doesn't matter how many you put on Ryan Giggs, he's still going to get past you. <laughs> Now then, you might have hankered about coming back and playing, but did you ever foresee yourself being a manager here one day? No, no, certainly not. I don't think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't on my list to do. I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I wanted to stay in the game. Um, when, I was, when I was playing uh, at 29, I did my A licence, so coaching uh, qualification. So I knew that I wanted to stay in the game, but I saw myself more coaching the academy help developing players rather than being at the other end in the winning game and managing. Um, and when I came back here, you know, my first, my first lot of coaching really was, um, although I did Newport, Isle of Wight and Newbury, was, I was still working in the academy here for, uh, for, for quite a while, um, three or four years uh, across different age groups, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, but I never never saw myself really as, as managing, I, you know, I saw myself as a, a first team coaching staff, but then uh, things happen, don't they? <laughs> and they certainly happen at this club, where eventually you, um, you find yourself in a, in a caretaker role, and the first one was with, with alongside Stuart Gray, um, and, then, and then that went fairly well, I think we won two, drew two, lost two, if I remember, um, and quite enjoyed it. Um, but still probably didn't think I was quite ready. Uh, and then the second time comes around, you think, oh, I wonder if I, wonder if I should. You know, that, uh, again, a lot had changed. Um, the club was in, you know, we all know what, what difficulties the club was in. And, um, you know, whether, whether I was given it because, you know, I was a, a Pompey person and there was a type of person that was needed in the position you were, maybe that's why I got the role at the time. Um, but it was never something that was on my radar to begin with. You wish you'd stayed in the academy. <laughs> I no. I, listen, I think I think life's about taking your opportunities, um, and you learn from them. 
you know, and I, I certainly did that. It was a great learning curve for what I'm doing now with the FA. So leading the pro license, talking about, you know, helping the next group of managers come through. I think what I experienced in that 12 months was just probably three or four seasons, you know, worth of experience as a manager because everything's, everything's so hectic, you know, under administration and administration. You're working with people that have, uh, on one hand, um, who are, you know, having to make sure that all the financial reasons are right and seeing members of staff that were being let go, that this was everything to them. You know, from those difficult situations to then becoming appointed manager and working with people that have got a passion for the club and the club is in their blood, you know, and trying to, trying to keep all them involved and happy. It was, it was just a, it was a great learning curve and something now that I, you know, I can, I'm able to have, you know, have the experience and share the experience so managers come on the course, I can actually say to them, yeah, I've been there, yeah. I know how you're feeling. They were exciting times, but they were very difficult times as well, weren't they? Yeah, well, like I said, they were, they were difficult for a lot of people, on, you know, at the club and away from the club. So, you know, administration, people who were owed money by the club won't get it. You know, and that must be horrendous for them because they're all, you know, they're all trying to live their lives to the full. Um, you know, and as I said, members of staff that, not, and I'm not on about coaching staff, I'm by, by, about behind the scenes staff working in the offices that were losing their jobs through no fault of their own. Just that they had to be, they had to be cut, and I think, I think the way it was done the second time round seemed, I wouldn't say easier, um, than the first time round because they were just ruthless the first time round. Mm. Second time round, I think, I think Trevor and his company were, were a little bit. I know ultimately people lose their jobs, but I think the way they went about it was was a better way for the staff. And, and, you know, any staff that I lost that I was, you know, line manager for, you just have to say, and the, you know, good people will always find work. And they all went on to find, you know, decent, decent work. Do you feel you could have carved a successful team given the time? <laughs> I'm going to say yes, of course I am. I kept saying to everybody, three, three windows. You know, you need three windows to, make, to have a team that you want. Um, and look, I was learning at the time. The, the directors were learning at the time. They'd never been in that position. I'd never been in the position. So, um, you know, I understand why they, why they did what they did. Um, I disagreed with it, obviously. Um, but, you know, they're the decision makers at the end of the day. And look, at the end, of, I suppose it took four years in the end, you know, from that, from that, you know, takeover. Four years to get promoted where, with the several managers. Now, who knows if it had been different if I'd stayed in charge. Um, but I'd like to think I'd, I'd got it. Um, I got it to a position where I thought we were competitive in most games, in every game. Um, but then I totally understand people expecting this club and the stature it was in League Two to be doing better than it was. But we finished the season before with, I think we had three players going into the next season, you know, and they were all 19 year olds. So to build a you know, we see it now with, with the Cowleys, to try and build a squad that's capable of challenging for promotion and getting the playoffs, I think is, uh, is extremely hard. And you do need, I mean, look at, look at Jacket's time, you know, Kenny Jacket's time with the experience he had, you know, couldn't get promoted, haven't had the, you know, the amount of transfer windows he had. You know, you, you, you do need, as a manager, you do need at least three transfer windows to get the team you want because there's players there that, um, don't fit your system of play, but you're not going to get them out straight away. Whittingham Walsh, Whittingham and Moon hasn't got 
the same <laughs> ring about it, has it? But nevertheless, you've got another partnership yeah, now, yeah, a I, punditry partnership. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I love it. Um, it gives me a chance to come and watch Portsmouth for a start. Um, again, doing what I'm doing, um, working with coaches, working with players, it keeps me at the forefront of what I see. And yet, look, it's League One, but, I've, but the traits of a player are the traits of a player. You know, first and foremost, you look at the very best players in the world, they don't saunter around, they work hard, you know, and they work hard for their teammates. And that's the basics of a player. You know, someone who works hard for the teammates, never gives up, you know, keeps going, a, a tough, tough-minded. And I think that's, and I'm not sure how much we develop that in young players these days. Um, but I love it from that point of view, staying, staying up to date with players, staying up to date how players are playing, whatever level that is. Um, and I just, I just, it's not work. <laughs> just waffle on about football. And Andy does the same. <laughs> so we fit quite well. Having been a player, though, and having been a manager, are you mindful of, of what you say in critical moments? Yeah, I think, I think what, I've, what I've tried to do is make sure that if there's something to be said, I said it. So if the team aren't playing well or decisions by, you know, substitute decisions are wrong or whatever, I try and say it because I, I don't think you can bluff the fans here. I think, you know, they see the games, they know what's happening. I can't say, yeah, they've played well today where they haven't. Or they haven't even tried hard. You know, I've, I've got to say it as it is. <clears throat> but on the other side of that, I try and remember, and it's a long time ago, as a player, you, it wasn't so much the radio then, it was the, the, the nines and the, or the eights or the sevens or the six or the fives or the fours or the threes and the little comment you got. So I try and remember that and try and say, if, if a player hasn't done so well, but I'd always try and pick up on something he has done well. Um, because there are always parts of the game that players will do well at and other parts they won't do well at. And I think it's, it's only fair of me to give that contrast and make sure that I'm, I'm actually not just focusing on the negatives but also some positives as well. And then, and then also to enjoy it. You know, people are listening. They don't, wanna, you know, they don't want people to sound humdrum and thinking that everything's gloomy when you know, maybe, maybe they're not winning on the pitch but they might be playing well. So I, I, I want to try and make sure that people are actually enjoying our, our, you know, the listening and our commentary at the same time, which I think we do. As a finale, I don't remember you heading too many goals, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, I've got a diving header against Swindon. Uh, what else did I do? Yeah, I'm sure I headed one or two. I'm sure I did in the charity match once. I remember that one. I was in the right place at the right time all the time. No, I think... Um, yeah, I think I'm, people always take the, the mickey out of me if we're being, you know, goal, especially Andrew, not outside the six-yard box, which most of them were inside, I have to admit, but you've got to be there. Didn't matter, the goals go down in the memory, so yeah. thank you for the memories, Guy. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. It's, uh, it's something that will live long for me for a long time, and I hope lots of other people. <laughs> <laughs>